This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan And we are coming to you today on a Sunday afternoon where Brendan and I are gathering a little early this afternoon because there was no Cubs baseball today. And much like the rest of you, uh, Brendan and I have spent the majority of this fine early September weekend watching whatever WGN and Comcast or uh, NBC Sports Chicago decided to put on for their rain delay theater all weekend because it was raining in Washington all weekend and they made the Cubs sit there all weekend. So we will break down the three games that they managed to squeeze in in this series in Washington, and we will preview the upcoming, what is now a very big series with the Milwaukee Brewers. So I guess let's just jump right in to the happenings here, and then uh, you guys will probably hear Brendan and I complain a little bit about how this was handled and what on earth uh, the MLB scheduling department is thinking with this whole situation. Uh, But either way, on Thursday, the Cubs do win 6-4, to four, the final there. The Cubs trailing the Nationals heading to the eighth inning where the game is tied on a Wilson Contreras fielder's choice, Chris Bryant scoring on the play. And we would go to extras where it was David Bodie doing the Nationals in as is apparently uh, his fondest thing to do in the MLB, taking the Nats down late in games. He doubles in Albert Almora, who also doubled in the inning, and then Taylor Davis actually coming through with a big insurance run to make it 6-4. to And the Cubs would lock that one down. Deshi Chavez getting his fourth save of the year. On Friday... We don't play. We get about an inning of baseball. And Brendan, if you'll allow me to delve into uh, my extensive knowledge of the office, I'm going to quote uh, one Kelly Kapoor here Okay. in saying, uh, yeah, I have a question. First of all, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you, Major League Baseball, make John Lester a veteran, a future Hall of Famer, one of the best players in Red Sox and Cubs franchise history, you make that man warm up, throw an inning, and then call the game when the forecast was rain all night. All night it was raining. You make everybody sit there for four hours and then decide to bang the game. How dare you? Brendan, this was only the start. This was only the beginning of how messed up this weekend was and just the total BS going on here. And to to waste a John Lester start, to make them start the game knowing full well they were not going to get it in. There was never on Friday night a window more than about 30 minutes where it was reasonable that they were going to be able to play a Major League Baseball game under safe conditions but they did it anyway so now Lester's gone the game is over all the stats are wiped and the Cubs are forced to throw Jaime Garcia against Max Scherzer I'm not even going to recap the game that's how do you think that game went everybody okay like Scherzer wins he gets his 17th win he I mean it's absurd Anyway, the other one uh, on Saturday the Cubs dropping this one as well in the second game of the doubleheader. 
And the story here, the Cubs had a 4 to nothing lead, courtesy of a Victor Caratini Grand Slam. Just like we booked it, Brendan. <laughs> and I will say one of the highlights of the weekend, obviously, is that Grand Slam, but also Victor's pimp job on this particular home run. Uh, this was quite the bat flip. One of the better um, ones we've seen in, in a long time, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how many of you guys have ever watched too much... Uh, Japanese baseball or Korean baseball. I was thinking the same baseball. thing. Yeah, it was yeah, almost like uh, was, Kosuke Fukudome, you know, that little tiny like Right, this flip. was definitely yeah. more uh, Asian in style as far as the bat flip is concerned. I'm not sure if I, I you know, we've really broken down the particular geographical uh, changes as it relates to and styles, uh, bat flips, but this one had a, a, a very strong uh, NPB kind of theme for the games that I've I've seen from over there, but... That was a highlight. Uh, the low light was Carl Edwards Jr. and Justin Wilson combining to blow this game. Uh, Bryce Harper taking Justin Wilson very, very deep. And the Nationals win 6-5. to five. So that is the story of the weekend, basically. I just don't really feel it too productive to delve too deeply into those games on Saturday because, you know, again, you had Jaime Garcia against... Max Scherzer and then Cole Hamels was trucking along as he has been doing for the Cubs. It started to pour uh, multiple times while watching this. I looked to the friends I was watching with and asked, like, are they kidding? With, you know, I'm not there, but what I'm seeing on TV, it seems impossible that they're playing baseball right now. And lo and behold, as soon as it started torrentially raining, Cole couldn't find the zone anymore. And the Nationals mount a comeback and the Cubs have another loss on their hands. So... That's the story of the weekend, and Sunday's game, as I'm sure you guys all know by this point, postponed. Uh, They were nice enough, again, to make everyone show up at the ballpark and sit around for about two hours or so, and then decide they couldn't play. So they have rescheduled that game, this is not a joke, to Thursday, which, yes, that was supposed to be the Cubs' first off day in 23 days after playing the Brewers at Wrigley Field. Too bad you have to fly back to Washington. And guess what, Brendan? I, you know, it's it's almost like uh, there, there's not enough icing on this cake. It just sort of keeps coming, right? It's it's just going to be all icing at this point because it just gets better and better. But if you do the math, guess who's available to pitch for the Nationals on Thursday? Max Scherzer. How about that, everybody? Isn't that just so special? So. That's where we are, and I'm going to throw it to you, Brendan, because I could probably go on about this for a very long time. I, I will say I'm aware that the Cubs are not the first team to have an unfortunate schedule, and I am also aware that Major League Baseball and the Washington Nationals do not control the weather. I, it, It's hard not to be annoyed, at the very least, by the way that all of this was handled. I know they got to get the games, and I know these two teams don't play again. I know we're in September. There's not a lot of time to to get this all in. But starting the game on Friday was a total joke. It was raining all day. It was going to be raining all night. There was no reason to start that game and waste both teams' starting pitchers. And again, today, forecast rain all day. I believe there's a hurricane headed towards the east You know, this coming week. Rain, 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 rain. But they still make everybody show up at the ballpark. They still go through the charade. And now you're taking away the Cubs only off day as the Brewers take care of the San Francisco Giants. So it's a two-game lead heading into the series at Wrigley Field. It's hard not to be pretty pissed off, Brendan, at how this all played out. Yeah, and here's the thing. Because they have to go back to Washington on Thursday. By the way, they have a night game on Wednesday night. Okay, so let's, let's think about this. A night game Wednesday night starts at 8.05 p.m. Eastern Time, Corey. 8.05 p.m. Eastern Time. That game probably will end around midnight. They have to jump on a plane back to Washington, D.C., play a game in the afternoon, basically. Probably will end early evening. Jump back on a plane to Chicago and play a game at 1.20 p.m. on Friday. That's absurd. Not only that, they will have 33 straight days of scheduled games by the time they actually get an off day on Thursday, September 20th. That's unacceptable. That is an embarrassment 
to Major League Baseball for that to happen. That 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 cannot. I'm operating under the assumption that this will get changed. There is no way, no way in my mind this gets actually passed through the rankings of those schedulers. Like it's it's you know before this game even got uh, rescheduled, I thought there was no chance they would end up doing this. No chance. I can't believe this is going on. Um, I don't know. Maybe they will reschedule that Wednesday game at Wrigley to a day game just to accommodate the travel time. But regardless, we're entering a pennant race. Milwaukee's hot. They don't have to deal with this this BS. And it's not as if the Cubs have not rescheduled games towards the end of the year to make up in the rare occurrence that they actually do need that game. They did the same thing in 2016 against the Reds, I believe. Corey, this can't happen, man. It's just that simple. I, I think everyone in that Cubs dugout, in the front office, anyone involved with the team, the media members who have to travel, who have to deal with this BS, this cannot happen. It's an embarrassment that has got to be changed. And by the time that you know we actually re, re, uh, publish this and get it out, I won't even be surprised if there is a change in scheduling after everything is fully considered by the Cubs and Major League Baseball and the schedulers. Uh, schedulers. That's where I am, Corey. Um, you know, the Brewers are two games back now. They did pretty well against the Giants. Uh, this is, it was three days ago, the Cubs were four and a half games up. So this is uh, not ideal. And it, it facing Scherzer on Thursday is just the icing on the cake, but you know what? This is the schedule. Unfortunately, this is what the Cubs have to deal with, and they will need to show up Monday for a night game with John Lester on the mound. If there is one saving grace about all this terribleness that we had to endure over the weekend, it is that John Lester gets to start game one of the series, Corey. So I will say that uh, as, as kind of a silver lining for you and the rest of the Cubs staff involved. So they'll get to throw their big three pitchers um, against Milwaukee. But man, I don't know, Corey, this is uh, a little stressful. I think you don't expect to deal with these instances. And I think when you and I were were mapping out the schedule, even during the early parts of the year, we looked at this time point as like, huh, this is kind of ideal. The Cubs will enter mid-September, a lot more home games. They won't have to travel that much. They'll be playing poor teams like the Reds and like the White Sox. But this is kind of taking a turn for the worst here, and, and, and it's upsetting. Yeah, and I, I also think it's it's a real shame, too, because the Cubs, up until this point, this long stretch that you know we all kind of looked at as, okay, like there's some bad teams at the beginning, but this is still a long stretch of games uh, without an off day. They, they were navigating it really well, and so now yeah. you get to the end of it, and now not only is it potentially going to be extended, but I, I feel like they're kind of you know having uh, their their legs kind of swept out from under them. I mean, you know, thirty three straight days with a game scheduled, man, that is absurd. Like I, you can you can make the argument right. that oh you know well they didn't play on Sunday so they technically got an off. No, that's not how you, that works. You can't though. Yeah, that's not how that I, works. I, I wouldn't even say you can make that argument. It, it's not an off day, guys. An off day, and I know you're not saying this, yeah. Brendan, but an off day is when you wake up in your own bed and go about your day as you'd like to. I know a lot of the Cubs, hobby especially, tend to spend some of their days on Lake Michigan. And, you know, again, this isn't like a let's wax poetic about the the poor scheduling for these, you know, millionaires and whatever, right? Like whatever at that point, you're watching Major League Baseball, get over it and and that (laughs) stuff. But that's what an off day is. An off day is waking up in your own bed, getting to be with your family, with your children, you know, in in your home and do what you want. Rest, relax, get a massage, whatever these players need to do to maintain themselves. Showing up at the ballpark, like, that's not an off day on Friday for John Lester. Even though he only throws an inning, even if he didn't throw anything at all, you, you still have to prepare. You have to get ready in the bullpen. You know, the, the Cubs today, you got to get guys ready in the bullpen. Guys have to stretch out. They have to do their running. They have to do their throwing program. Like, there's hours of preparation that goes into a game even before you play. So 
that's that to me is the real shame is is just that you know you look at how the cubs were doing and they were really navigating this stretch really well as we talked about how they faced two really good pitchers in the Mets series they beat uh Fultonevich in the Braves series they beat Nola in the Philly series yeah, like this was yeah. things were going really bright. well yeah. yeah and and even that Thursday game uh against the Nationals it was you know touch and go for a little bit there but they they come through. They they have Almora and Bodie push through in the tenth inning. They get a big win, and you know you're thinking, okay, like this weekend is off to a pretty good start. You know, even though th- this game was uh, a little dicey at times, and you know let's just keep it rolling with Lester here on Friday. And you know from that point, I mean the Cubs, uh, you know since Friday, I mean what are the Cubs lose two and a half games in the standings? I mean that's, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. Yeah. You know, and 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 again like. They still show up, you know, the Nats deal with the same thing on Saturday as far as, you know, they don't have to start, you know, some random person like the Cubs did, but, you know, everybody's dealing with the same thing, but it's tough when you look at the Cubs, you know, they had to really alter their rotation and, you know, they're, they're playing to win a division here. So it's tough for them to, you know, throw out their best lineup in two games in a doubleheader. You know, you got to get guys rest. You, You can't be... Uh, playing for the moment every time when you when you are in a pennant race and you know that tomorrow's game and the game after that are just as important. So, mm-hmm. just uh, yeah, just just not a not a good situation. And you know, I hope it doesn't come off as too much you know whining or whatever. But this is a bad situation for the Cubs, and it you know they don't. Con- I, I know the Nationals don't either, but the Cubs don't control the weather. So they showed up in Washington to play some games, and they get kind of screwed around a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not like things are a little tighter here. Well, it's not as if you're comparing the level of misfortune between the Cubs and the Nationals. Like, yeah, the Nationals got screwed a bit too. You can make that argument, but different context, man. The Nationals are seven and a half back. They're not in the midst of a 33 game stretch of having having daily scheduled games. It's different. So, unfortunately, this is what the Cubs will have to deal with. Nevertheless, there is stuff to talk about on the field, and you alluded to this, but I think the most pressing topic worth discussing is the bullpen, and in particular, Carl Edwards Jr., Corey. So I want to read this stat just to set the ground, and we can talk about the bullpen and the state of the bullpen given Carl's underwhelming recent performances. So the stat I want to read to you is over the last 13 innings pitched, Carl Edwards Jr. has a strikeout rate per nine innings of 6.92 batters, okay? Very low from Carl. The second one I want to read is his walk rate per nine innings is also 6.92 batters. That's not a formula for success. And over the course of the entire year, more so before Carl got injured with his shoulder inflammation, but... He was hovering around a walk rate per nine under four or around four. And his contact rate and his K per nine were in the midst of the top 5% of major league pitchers, around 14, 15, even 16 at some points, given whatever month you want to look at. So with Brandon Morrow, whose return was described as a long shot by Patrick Mooney of The Athletic, Carl Edwards Jr. is now... He has to be a, a predominant high leverage arm who Joe has to call upon. And seeing this is a little disconcerting. And I think we talk about this now and not during last podcast, just because he came in and he struggled once again against the Nationals and ended up being part of that blown save in the third game of the series. So, uh, Corey, we talked about our confidence level in the bullpen on a scale of 1 to 10 last time. You gave an 8.5. I gave an 8. Uh, given Carl's continuous struggles, I know well, there's only one outing, but it does per- put things into perspective. Has your confidence wavered, number one? And number two, uh, what, are we do- <laughs> like, what are we supposed to think about Carl and, and just the state of who they're going to call upon? Yeah, I mean, I think that it goes down a little bit just because we've seen this this movie with Carl Edwards before. And I don't really know 
what to do about it. He he just has these these spurts where, and you know, this isn't unique to only his his major league career. This is something that he's dealt with pretty much the entire time. Uh, you know, he's been a professional baseball player. He just has these bouts, man, where he just does not have the control. And you know, it's it's a very similar outing every time. You know, he goes for the fastball and he can't keep it down. It's up. It's up. It's usually away. To righties, he pulls it a little bit too much, and you know you kind of just see it over and over again. It actually in that outing in particular, I remember one fastball he put in the dirt, and JD actually kind of was like taken aback by it. He goes, "Well, that was weird. You know, that's not usually where you see him miss when he's this off." And so, are you you implying injury or just like what? No, I'm I'm yeah. saying that because it, I, you know, I think that was it. It just stu- just it just stood out as as being different, and you know, perhaps indicative of him overcompensating a little right, bit. You know, right. knowing that maybe he's a little off, up and away. Okay, let me you know try to do something else, and then now you're going too far the other way, and you know that's obviously not a game you're going to win. You're going to lose that battle every time. You're going to overcompensate one way or the other. It's it's you're not usually going to land in the middle there. Yeah. So And not to freak um, out people with the injuries. So I, I just want to jump in here before we continue. The the velocity for Carl has been fine since he came back from injury. He's averaging about 95.5 miles per hour, which is basically a little bit even higher than his career norm, Corey. So I just want to throw that in there. I don't want to elude that he's injured or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, so I it just you know, again, we've seen this before, so I, I think it has to take your confidence down a little because Carl's just a different person when he is on and and really getting those whiffs. And you know, we've seen this at times in his career, and that's just not what we're looking at now. And and I, I I'm not sure how to get him out of it. I, I think it's probably uh, something mental where you know he just can't lock in and and he's just off a little bit in those mechanics and i i don't really know how to get him right i think it's it's hopefully something that's not the most difficult fix because you know he just has such good stuff that you just need him to throw it near the plate and usually that's gonna bear out for him in the end but you know, even that outing yesterday, I mean, he starts, he comes in, immediately throws balls. And, you know, I think all of us are kind of looking around going, yeah, (laughs) this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work. And we talked about this a little bit about, uh, you know, Joe needing to have that quick hook, and he was quicker with the hook in this one. But, you know, sometimes that's not ultimately going to cost you the game. Uh, It did in this case, even though, you know, Wilson's the one that comes in and gives it the home run. But, it's it, it's there's a big difference between you know when you bring in Carl and you're watching thinking okay like I hope he has his command like and if he doesn't we got to get somebody up blah 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 when Carl's on you're thinking this guy's one of the best relievers in the league like right. yeah get Edwards in here have him blow some people away you know so it's just it's a, it's a very stark difference between when he's off and when he's on and obviously that that changes the overall outlook of the bullpen I you know Justin Wilson has been very good he made a bad pitch to Bryce Harper and Bryce took him deep you know that's I mean, Harper's one of the best bats that we've seen in yeah, a while and, and he's he's hot he's yeah. hot AF right now and you know Wilson knew it right away you can go watch that replay he you know put his head down I'm sure he said a, a bad word that we're not allowed to say on here Right as soon as Bryce hit that ball, so you know I'm not. I'm not. Justin's been very good. I'm not too worried about him. Uh, he was able to navigate a huge situation on Thursday to keep that game going. Leave some runners on second and third. Big strikeout of Mark Reynolds, and able to get out of that inning. So uh, you know this is I think more a question of your feelings on Carl than anyone, unfortunately. And I yeah, man, I I. I don't really know. I'm not confident in him right now. And, and, you know, this is kind of what it was like for him at the tail end of last season know, as well and similar, into those playoffs right? where, yeah. unfortunately, you're just, you know the stuff is in there, and if you can get him right, you know what you have, but you you really just don't know. And then he comes out, pulls one of those fastballs, and you're thinking, ah, oh, man, like, it's 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 just not there. So yeah. also, Brendan, I, I do have to point out, I, I, I asked what I thought was pretty nicely for Bryce not to be a jerk. And, you know, he goes on and is a jerk. So I I thought I was pretty cordial in requesting Bryce, you know, we'll we'll talk to you in the offseason, just leave us alone for the weekend. And here he goes and wins one of the games. I mean, I feel like I I was pretty 
forthcoming and, and blunt with my request, Brendan. Will Br- Bryce Harper not a uh, friend of the podcast? Not for now. a friend of the Cubs for related now. podcast. I want that very clear. Yeah. Pedro Strope, very good friend. Yeah. Bryce Harper, not a friend right now. Right he's going to have some. Yeah, he's going to have some real, uh, you know, he's going to need to make some real amends in the offseason if he does end up coming to the Cubs. Because yep. right now, he's he's on the list. I know. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have to talk to him, uh, hopefully, during the offseason. We'll get him on here, of course, yeah. But, um, okay, so I want to point this out, too, because I like using this tool just to see how Joe Madden uses his bullpen. And the tool I'm referencing is from Brooks Baseball. It's called the Bullpen Mismanagement Tool, and it highlights which guys joe madden calls upon in the highest leverage of situations and so in five game blocks i kind of see this trend right and the trend is joe madden won in the last three five game blocks in the first one pedro strope is the unquestionable closer the guy who joe calls upon in the highest of highest leverage situations Number two is Justin Wilson. Number three is Steve Cijak. And number four is Carl Edwards Jr. Number five is Jesse Chavez. These are the five guys that you're going to rely upon in the playoffs. So that's the only guys I'm including for now. In the immediate next block, it's flipped. Jesse Chavez is now basically the guy in the highest lever situation, followed by Strope. Then Carl Edwards Jr. And then Jesse Chavez and Justin Wilson tied. In the most recent one, now it's kind of flipped again. Now it's Jesse Chavez who's number one, and then it goes back to Pedro Strupp. You can see the trend I'm going to. In the most recent one, um, it's all over the place, right? But the highlighting point from this is that Carl hasn't really been put in these high leverage situations, and the Cubs have been okay from a bullpen perspective in closing out games without Carl performing his best. So if that's any you know confidence that you have added to your perspective of this bullpen, I think it's worth noting that they have gotten through relying upon Chavez, Wilson, Stijek, and Strope. And if Carl can get together in the next three weeks, you throw him into that mix, then it just boosts a bullpen that much more. And we haven't seen that all these five guys clicking in the second half. And as far as Wilson goes, too, we, we talked about it in the last podcast, but just his overall value since... The all-star break has been exceptional. This is a guy who struggled with control his entire tenure as a Cubs, but since the second half, his walk rate is under three. That is remarkable given what we saw struggling-wise with his inability to locate even a 3-0 fastball, Corey. So if that's any saving grace, you still have four guys who have been pretty good, including Jesse Chavez, who leads the National League in war for relievers in the second half. And that's like insane. Come on, that's ridiculous. So uh, going back and re-rating my, my confidence scale, if we're rating on a 1 to 10, and if I was an 8 the last time, I'm going to go 7.75. Not too much lower, just because I have been so impressed with Wilson, with Stijak, with Strope, with Chavez. That these little hiccups by CJ, we still have enough time to get him right. The velocity is still right. The track record is still strong. I'm not freaking out right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not freaking out, but I just I, I think that the Carl situation is a little concerning. It, it, it does speak to, especially what you were just talking about there, uh, what a move the Jesse Chavez pickup oh was. I know not, not really something a lot of us really gave too much thought to. I know we liked the move. I know you dug into his peripherals a little oh, yeah, bit. Come on, don't, was... don't throw me under the bus here. I, I love the move. Come on. Yeah, you I gotta don't give think me some you credit. that this was going to be the outcome. Oh, though, no. Did you? No, I, I, I did not. But Right. Yeah. Right. So that's all. I, I was trying to give you credit. Even, guys, even when I try to give Brendan credit for, for digging into things, I still am not, it's not good enough for him, but... <laughs> Okay. Just just a great trade, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, we talk about Hamels a lot and how Theo and company were able to get him and add him into the group for a very low price. And Chavez is is the same. And he's proved uh, a really valuable item for the Cubs and a really valuable player. And again, as we talk about Carl here and we, you know, continue to wonder if Brandon Morrow has enough runway to make it back for this season, it, it sort of seems to just be increasing and increasing in how important and how good that move looks uh, by Theo and 
company. But yeah, it's, you know, look, at this point, this is the group that you have. So I think that the Cubs still have a lot of very good arms. They have a lot of depth in that bullpen. And, you know, I think at this point, it's just going to be about navigating the rest of this stretch. And hopefully, you know, wherever this whole playoff situation lands, you know, having the ability to get these guys uh, some rest and, and get their heads right. And, you know, hopefully by the end of it, that's something that works for Carl. And right. I, you know, but again, I, I, I really don't know, you know, you think back to last year, it, it's not necessarily the same situation. Um, but, you know, you look at where Justin Wilson was last year for the Cubs and where he is now and, you know, the, the work and the little tweaks and stuff like that, that it takes to get there. So I don't know, I, I don't know what they're, what their plan will be with Carl or uh, how they plan to get him right. But I sincerely hope that they're able to do that um, in the near future. So something else uh, that I think warrants discussion is, you know, once again, just to point out how David Bodie continues to come up in these huge spots and, and, you know, wins another game for the Cubs on Thursday night in extra innings, comes in, rips a double, and, you know, allows the Cubs to take one of these stupid games, which, you know, you're looking at it now, you know, thank the heavens that they were able to take that game. I certainly wasn't thinking that at the time, but it's certainly looming a lot larger now. And we also saw a little bit of Terrence Gore over this this weekend series. Not the first time we've seen him, but Wicked getting fast. a a really good look at, at at what he's able to do. And I think if you know you saw those headlines when the Cubs signed him, and you were thinking, "Who is that guy?" You know, looking at his numbers, like, "What's going on here?" I, I have a feeling that you kind of got the idea uh, when you saw him steal some bases this weekend because he is really fast. Um, I'm not even sure that there's a good adjective to accurately describe it because he sometimes doesn't even get the best jumps and these throws are not close. I mean, they are, they are really not close. The only saving grace that these defenses seem to have is that he's so fast, kind of hits the bag with some impact and, you know, maybe comes off or slides too far. But I just bring up those two guys, particularly in this series, uh, just to to throw to you, Brendan, on just some general thoughts. And as we head down the stretch here, you you have some guys making some really compelling cases for whether or not they would be involved in a postseason roster. At this point, whether that is the NLDS or if the Cubs have to play in a wildcard game. But you just have some guys on this roster making things, I think, a little more complicated than we may have originally thought. And part of the reason I bring that up is because when you look at everything, when you look at the roster, right, and you look at guys like Listella and Almora and Hap, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to bring Caratini or somebody to be the backup catcher. There's not that many spots, Brendan. And and I and I don't know if people have really begun to consider this stuff yet, but there is not a spot for everybody, especially if the bullpen is in flux as far as the Moro situation. And if you haven't gotten Carl right by that point, you may be inclined to bring another arm than you already were going to. So it makes things a little interesting, Brendan. And 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 these situations like Bodie on Thursday and Gore being successful in his stolen base attempts so far with the Cubs and, and really showing off that speed. So real chance for people to, I think, kind of change things around as we head towards uh, the postseason here. The biggest, not startling observation, but seeing Chris Bryant in center field to accommodate David Bodie in the lineup, Corey, was extremely interesting. And we talked about this too, but like with Zobris in right field and Schwarber in left field and Bryant in center field for that day, it allowed the Cubs kind of to have their best infield defense while maintaining a strong offensive approach. Um, and so what I mean by that is, well, actually not the best uh, infield defense, the best infield offense, rather. So you're able to have David Bodie, uh, Daniel Murphy, and Javi Baez take the field and bat in the higher portions of the lineup, while also having Schwarber and Zobris in there as well. So if that's kind of a precursor to what we might be seeing in the near future, then I'm cool with that. Now, we haven't 
heard much about Hayward and his hamstring recovery, but seeing Zobrist and Murphy and and Javi and Rizzo and KB and Schwarber, like all of them up there in the top of the lineup was extremely fun. Unfortunately, we did not get to see that with the rain delays and everything, but nevertheless, that's kind of a precursor to where we're going, I think. Um, as far as like the, the playoff roster goes, in my mind, I'm already operating under the assumption that Terrence Gore is going to be on maybe one of these playoff rosters. I say that because in 2016, Quinton Berry made the NLCS roster. Remember, Quinton Berry was acquired right at that August 31st deadline and became exclusively used as a pinch runner, essentially. So the Cubs have done this in the past. Um, whether or not they decide to carry, I don't know, like uh, a third catcher if if they don't trust Caratini, I doubt that's even coming up in discussions right now. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But as far as the playoff roster goes, it'd be shocking to see, in my opinion, Listella on the roster, given David Bodie, given Terrence Gort. Um, and that's kind of where everything is right now. And it, it's it's not as if Bodie has been playing exceptionally well offensively in the last few weeks he's been going through a little bit of a hiccup adjusting to major league baseball but he does have a knack of playing quality defense he made a few nice plays even in that first win against uh, the nationals he had a nice double play where he had a field a, a quick hop so he has that to his benefit um so yeah i also too i think since we're talking about the discussion of the immediate roster i was surprised to see russell start so many games uh given what we heard from madden and the front office with russell supposedly was supposed to be used as a late inning defensive replacement we haven't seen that and russell's looked a little better i think the, the swings have looked a little better a little stronger but as far as the next few weeks you know seeing kb in center field is kind of tantalizing i gotta say with murphy and zobris able to be in the lineup with schwarber because of that yeah I mean I know we talked about kind of the risk you run with Murphy out there at second and and some other arrangements of the defense but I I gotta be honest with you man I we saw a little more of Addison Russell this weekend I I I don't want to going forward well he's still getting back in the swing of things too like even his defense was a little bit sloppy so yeah no I mean I I just I I mean the offense but yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not interested right now. I, I, I would like them to stick to what they were going to do. I think he should be a, a defensive sub. You know, spell some guys if you need to. But I just continue to not really like what we're seeing there. And you know, like you mentioned, he's still getting back in the swing of things. You know, we're seeing some some defensive mistakes, some errors. It's just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that for now. But I. I like I, I I really like I mean it's hard not to I mean I guess it's kind of obvious but I I like what I saw from Terrence Gore I I think that especially when you consider you know what we've seen from this offense and I think when this offense is at its most frustrating I I really think that Gore adds something that is somewhat of a buffer for that and you know we've seen this offense kind of go in ruts at times where they they strike out a little more and they they just can't drive in those runs and it just feels like they're playing in quicksand almost like they just cannot score you get a guy with speed like that you know you turn a a quick single or a, a stupid walk into a guy on third in the blink of an eye and I, I think that's really valuable. And, you know, then obviously you put it on on the guys to bring the run home. But I I just like the dynamic that he brings. I, I think that having the ability to do that and especially having a manager who is comfortable calling for squeeze bunts and, and, and things of that nature, I just think he adds a, a totally different dynamic to this team. And I, I just like the ability to in a pinch be able to say like you know what we need to magically have a guy end up on third base right now you know gore's your guy to kind of make that happen so i yeah i'm I'm a fan of that it's it's hard to say you know exactly how i would construct a, a playoff roster at this point but i i do 
you know, sort of hope that he's in that mix, uh, you know, depending on who they're playing and, and, you know, how everything else is going. But Mm -hmm. I just, I I think that that's such an asset to have, and it's really not something that everybody has, you know, to just be able to pull this guy off the bench that is going to be safe. I mean, I think they were, they they showed his numbers in the majors yesterday, and, you know, he's at like an 85% success rate as far as stealing bases. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, so... I, I, I like what we were seeing there. And, yeah, I I, I like getting Bodie in there. I, I agree with you. I, I, I like getting Bodie in there. Um, I have no problem, you know, if they want to move KB around. I thought that that lineup they were going to put out on Friday, I tweeted this out. I, I had no problem if they wanted to make that a, a, a playoff lineup. I know it's a little crazy with, with KB in center field, but my thing at this point is, you know, the Cubs have such a roster where you're, you're going to have to sort of pick your poison at some point or pick a lane, whichever of those cliches you'd like to use. So you're picking offense over defense, essentially. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is you have to make a decision, right? Yeah. So, and, and so your decision would be like, you know, let's, let's roll the dice defensively with not your best defensive. Well, I, I suppose it, yeah. I mean, especially on Friday, like you don't have Hayward. So I think you can't go as strong defensively as, as you otherwise could. So I think Hayward's availability at the end of the year and into the playoffs, I think does affect whether I would want to do that or not. But I, I guess my point is, I know it's a little crazy to have KB in center field. And I got some responses when I tweeted this, like you'd start a playoff game with, with Chris Bryant in center field. <laughs> and my, my thought was, look, you got to pick a lane. It, it doesn't really serve you that much to go half in on both styles, right? To, uh, play, you know, someone like Murphy, but then only play Almora or Hayward for the defense, right? Depending on the pitching matchup. Like, I think if you're going to go for it, go for it. Like if you're going to try to put up a, a crooked number, try to put up a crooked number. If you're going to try to play shutdown defense and, and pitch to a T and, you know, to the scouting reports and all that, and you're going to try to shut the other team out, do that. Hayward, Almora, Bodie, Baez, Russell, go for it if that's what you're going to do. But I just think, you know, in a situation like that, to me, it doesn't really make sense to put, you know, your feet half in the water in, in, in both sides of the pool, right? Like, go for it one way or the other. Let's get a little crazy. Put Chris Bryant in center field, right? Yeah, I, I hear you. Like, I, why not? Yeah. Put Javi at catcher, you know? Well, no, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not get too crazy here. But, uh, yeah, if that's, if that's the lineup come playoff time... I, I wouldn't be surprised. We saw Schwarber in right field in Pittsburgh for the wild card game in 2015. So Madden's not afraid to do this. I I don't know what Bryant can do in center field. We barely have seen him before. But we have heard from Madden and from other players, former players, that center field is actually probably the easiest uh, position to read the trajectory of fly balls. And KB's athletic enough to get there. So if that's actually true, then I don't see that being a big issue uh, for Chris Bryant to play there successfully. Now, I I don't know if I have, like, like I'd be surprised if Hayward comes back and he's not fully healthy by the end of the year. So I'm operating still under the assumption that we're going to get a healthy Jason Hayward. And if that's the case, Corey, I, I do... I, I rather see, man, yeah, it's still difficult. Just going through these different types of, of of options in my mind, like having Hayward in center and then in right field, you can use, man, like Zobrist or KB. And in left field, you can use either Zobrist or KB, however you want to fix this up, or even Schwarber. Um, but I do know one thing. Come playoff time, I, I got to have Murphy in that lineup, even if it is against the lefty or whatever, even if uh, the matchups don't necessarily call for Murphy being in defense to be uh, to the Cubs' advantage, I, I, I need to see that bat in there. And we saw recently Murphy get some days off against uh, Milwaukee for lefties. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel as if maybe it behooves the Cubs to kind of just go full throttle here with Murphy and just give him days against lefties and kind of deal with the potential defensive consequences as a result. Yep. Um, I, I honestly, I think I'm with you, but, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just important. Like if you're going to do it 
do it. I, I just, I, I don't think doing it, you know, kind of wishy-washy makes a lot of sense. You know, and sometimes we see it in some of these lineups where, you know, you look at the one through five or something like that, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, these guys can mash. You know, and then you've got Almora in there, and I'm not, not dogging Almora, but there's just certain games where he's in there against righties, and, you know, you're just not thinking it's the best matchup for him, and it just kind of feels like you're you know, you're, you're doing a little bit of both, right? Like you've got him in there cause he's a good defender, but now he's in the middle of your order and it's kind of killing that vibe you have with those other guys. So, you know, just, just pick a lane. If you, you know, if you're trying to, to kill the pitcher, go ahead and kill the pitcher. You know, you can bring these guys in for defense later, um, you know, or the other way around, right? Yeah. Or the other way around. So I think honestly, like with that, I, I think it's, it's best to just move into this Brewers series and, and, and look at, look at, yeah, look at what we're dealing with here because, look, folks, uh, one way or the other, this is the schedule. So I, I, I did mean to say, uh, Brendan, I, I know that the Cubs productions team is really great and, and very deliberate about what they record and, and the type of content that they make, but I would give a sizable portion of my life savings to have video of Theo within the last, I don't know, three days. Uh, it has got to be some of the most entertaining something that, that you could possibly see. I can't imagine the amount of materials that have been broken, expletives laid all over the room, maybe holes in walls. But I, I am trying to envision Theo Epstein getting a phone call. Yeah. Hey, we're going to have you guys fly back to Washington for a day game on, on Thursday. His reaction to that must be absolute gold. Am I am I wrong, Brendan? That, that's why I'm seeing like there's no way he lets that happen. There's no there's no way in the world that they're going to play that game on Thursday. I, it would be like you know sometimes they play uh, rap songs on the radio, but they try to clean them up, and you end up with like 30 seconds of <laughs> it's just the, like nonstop like, of, of yeah, the beat. Yeah. yeah, like it's like why are you even yeah. bothering to play this? That's what this video would be like. It would just be like a straight yeah. bleep for about like a minute and a half while Theo's on the phone. Yeah. All right. Well, here let's let's preview the series against Milwaukee because it is the biggest one of the year. A lot of good matchups on Monday, the first game of this three game set. You have John Lester taking the mound. You have Wade Miley taking the mound from Milwaukee. Miley three and two, a two point one two ERA. John Lester fifteen and five, three point five three ERA. And that game starts at seven oh five p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. Another night game. Corey, you're not going to believe this. It is Quintana on the mound. Guess who he's facing? Julius Chassin. This is, uh, as you called, the Brendan Bull uh, wow, version. Wow, number three. three. Number the, the the trilogy, if you will. Well, and this is this is the deci- <laughs> this is the decisive battle. Uh, I can't believe this is actually happening. What a joke. Okay, so Quintana, twelve and nine, a four point one four ERA. Chassin, fourteen and six. Guys, he's fourteen and six. With a 3.59 ERA. Again, that game starts at 7.05 p.m. And then on Wednesday, the Cubs will finish off their three-game set. Again, at 7.05 p.m., absurd. They'll probably travel to Washington that night. But for that game, they'll be facing Chase Anderson for the Brewers, who's 9-7 with a 3.95 ERA. Kyle Hendricks will take them out for the Cubs, 11-10, a 3.71 ERA. As it stands right now, the Cubs are three games ahead of Milwaukee in the loss column, only two games ahead mathematically right now. The Cardinals, just to, to paint a full picture of the standings, are four and a half games back of the Cubs, and they are five games back in the loss column. So here's where we are. This is kind of what you you live for as a fan, Corey. And by the way, there's several tickets open for this series in case you're in Chicago and you want to go see probably the best series of the year so far, you can get tickets through SeatGeek. And also, by the way, so football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to even those games as well, all season long for the NFL. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've used SeatGeek to get playoff tickets. I know playoff tickets are going to be hard to come by um, come October. I bought tickets for Dodger Stadium when the Cubs were there two years in a row. 
One year, I bought them for $80, Corey. Absurd. You can get the tickets that cheap for a playoff series. So SeatGeek is always designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever at the cheapest price possible. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You can also use this on your desktop computer and browser as well. So it's not exclusive to your phone. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Corey, the biggest series of the year. You have Lester. You have Q. You have Hendricks. This is the three guys who were supposed to be the big boys not too not too long ago before Hamels was acquired. This is it. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty simple. I mean, this situation in Washington is over. We can complain about it as much as we want. Uh, you know, really, like, through Sunday, I'd say go ahead and, you know, let it out. Lay your uh, expletive-laden tweets directed at the MLB. <laughs> We've seen a lot of them, by the way. Lay them out there, yeah. yeah. Well um, done, everyone. I, I appreciate it. But... You know, come tomorrow, you gotta you gotta turn the page. I hope that the the Cubs are well on their way back to Chicago now. Can get a good night's sleep. It's you know they, they at the very least they can rest up for these games or night games, and you know hopefully get some rest on Sunday night. And you need your yeah, like you said, you need your big boys to show up. I mean, this is where you know I I wouldn't necessarily say this is exactly where the division is going to be won and lost, um, but. If the Cubs sweep this series, you know, you're back to five games and probably not caring about the Brewers anymore. Yeah. And if it goes the other way, now you're playing catch up. So that's, you know, pretty much what's on the table here is, you know, this division can be swung one way or the other pretty heavily in this series. So. I, you know, I think you approach this like any other. You're you're aiming to take two of these games, and you know, at that point, you would be three up on the 13th of September with a three-game lead, mm-hmm. and you know, there's worse places to be. So, you know, the Cubs still have that advantage in the loss column, despite this mess of a weekend, and that's you know, I think that's that's what you're shooting for. But you're right when I mean when you can go into this series and throw uh three of your top guys, again Cole Hamill's not included, you need to you need to perform. I there there's no other way to put it. I mean the Cubs are at home with you know, at least going into the season, they're three top pitchers with a two game lead. You want to win the division. You want to be the the playoff team. You want to be a World Series champion. This is where you got to show up. I mean, there there's no two ways about it. Like these are the series that define seasons, and the Cubs are going into it in a, a slightly more favorable spot than the Brewers. You know, again, despite the scheduling situation. So, you know, the, you, you have to you have to show up. Can we have that's, some, that's that's just how it is. Can we have some fun here? Can we predict the starting lineup? For the Cubs tomorrow against Wade Miley, a lefty. I'll go. I'll go first. You can think about this, but just given the different types of iterations we've seen from facing lefties and righties, etc., I, I think it's worth having a little bit of fun. But I'll give you mine, okay? Rizzo, uh, and you have Javi at shortstop. I think you're, you're leading off with Rizzo. Oh, I'm not leading off with Rizzo. I mean, we want to go one through five. That's that's we can do that. Um, all right. So one, I'm going uh, Murphy. I think he'll get the start despite a lefty. Murphy at second base, leading off, batting second. I'm going to go with Javi at shortstop, batting third. I'm going to go with Rizzo at first base. Batting cleanup, I am going to go with Zobrist, and I think he'll be in... I'm going to go... He's going to... Oh, man, this is difficult. I'll probably go with Zobrist in left field, Corey. All right. And then batting fifth, I have KB. I think KB will be in right field. Batting sixth, I have Wilson behind the dish. Batting seventh, I have Bodie at third base. Batting eighth, they're going to have Johnny. And then batting ninth, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Albert Almora batting ninth. Facing the lefty, he still have that defense. Even though we talked about going all in defensively or offensively, I still think Al makes sense here facing the lefty. For the second time in as in, in as many weeks, that's the starting nine. I would agree with you entirely. I would just switch Bodie and Almora. I don't think he puts Almora in the nine. Okay, so you have Bodie in the, what the uh, seventh, or Bodie in the ninth, and Al in the seventh. And I'd probably switch Al and Wilson. 
Matt, you're really low so on Wilson. So Al, six, Wilson, seven. <laughs> you're low it's on half, Wilson right if now. T- it's half opinion and also half just what I think he's he's going to do. Why shouldn't I be, man? I, I mean, like, no offense to the guy, but we talked about this, and, and Evan wrote up a really good piece on CubsInsider.com. You know, we've talked about Wilson, and, you know, we've we pointed out all that he's dealing with and, you know, how many extra innings he's caught than every other catcher in the league and stuff. Uh, but the batted ball data is not good, and it was actually worse than I thought it was. Um, his exit velocity, his barrel rate, his soft contact rate, the numbers are bad. And uh, that's just what it is. So, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, you know, you have to, uh, you know, I know. Move forward with that appropriately. I mean, the, the the what you're seeing is what you're seeing. So that's just what it is. But uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on that lineup. I think that that's that's probably uh, the group we end up seeing. You know, you maybe shift that order around a little bit, but I, I think that that's probably the group of players that you're looking at for this game tomorrow. Can I ask you another question? Yeah. Actually, since we're on this topic, of here. course. Okay, so I'm I'm going through this in real time here. Uh, in terms of all these different stats since, what is it, over the last three weeks, okay? I did not realize Bodie has been this poor offensively. Corey, he has a Woba of 257. He's batting 163, a 57 WRC plus, and 53 plate appearances. That's not good. And I bring that up only because you got to fit all these guys in right now. You still have Al. You still have Hap. you got to play him, right? Does Bodie's recent struggles change for you how often he plays in the next, I don't know, week or so um, in comparison to Elmora or to Hap, even though both of those guys have struggled almost to the same degree? I think, you know, perhaps a little bit, but I, I also think that part of that is Bodie's been called upon in a lot of pinch hit spots and... You know, ultimately, you have a, a, a young guy, a rookie coming into the league. You know, you're going to have to give him time to play through some of this stuff. You know, the league is obviously going to adjust to him. They watch him ripping the ball and, you know, sitting atop the exit velo leaderboards. And, you know, they're obviously not too happy to let that continue going on. So, so does, it, does, it really, does it really change your perception that the Cubs should be sitting him less and playing him more in favor of, let's say, starting Albert or Hap once every day or so. So you still want to see Bodie go out there and get the majority of the playing time over those two guys. Me personally, yes. Okay. Um, so I agree just because yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a it's a nuanced thought, but I just I think that what we saw from Bodie early on, and especially what we see from him on defense, still that's the, that that's I, why I, for I me. think that. Yeah, well, and I and I just think that I want him, given what we've seen from him, I want him to have the opportunity to adjust through these things. We, right. We've seen Al and Ian both have those opportunities, and you know they still go through spurts of struggling. So, uh, you know, maybe it's it's deferring too much to the new guy and you know someone with a, a smaller sample, but. I just think that, you know, given how hard he was hitting the ball, how frequently he was barreling the ball, and the fact that he's giving you really solid defense at a couple of positions when you put him out there, I want him to have the ability to uh, adjust back. Because I think at this point, you know, you're kind of getting the same deal with both Al and Hap, really. Like, you know, they're also adjusting as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Al against lefties, I think, is, is a safer bet possibly amongst all of all of the three perhaps um but you know you're still you know you get Al in there against the righty like you're still dealing with him trying to figure something out Hap every other week is a totally different player yeah. you know he's hot he's cold so and I, he's you know, not, I think he's that, not as strong defensively no. despite the improvements that he's made. right yeah yeah right he's he's the worst defensively of the group and so I, you know, I just think, yeah, I, I want Bodie to to get those opportunities. I think if he's able to kind of push through some of this and make a couple of adjustments, um, you know, you may not see that level of production that we saw early on. That's tough for him to to maintain. But I, I think that there's a, a nice happy medium in there that you hope that he can he can hone in on as we as we get towards the end of the year. Yeah. So the the numbers just to contrast all three. 
they're not good for Hap or Almora as well. They're basically right in line with Bodie struggle. So even in the last three weeks, same quantity of plate appearances. You have Hap's Woba at 300. And then you have Albert Almora's at 260, basically. So, you know, you're looking at the same level of, of, of struggling. And even with Hap, his K rate is around 40%. Bodie's around 40% as well. Almora basically cannot hit the ball out of the infield. So that's kind of where we're at. And, and th- so here's the reason why I want to see more of Bodie in favor of those two. And I, I say this not as like an exclusive decision. I still want to see Hap and Almora play and they will play. And I'm not saying, you know, play Bodie way more than those two guys. I just want to see a little bit more of them. And I do because one, the amount of contact that Bodie makes is not that much less than Almora. So around 74%, kind of before this struggle uh, spurt here, Almora's around 78%. And here's the thing too, like Bodie's power is exponentially greater than Almora's. And the, the defense is, is, you can make the argument at the position almost equivalent in value as, as Almora is at, at center field. So that, that's kind of why I want to see it too. And you can't, look, you can't deny like the curiosity that you want to see Bodie play more just because the exit velo is still tops in Major League Baseball with Aaron Judge. You just kind of can't deny that. But the core reason always will come back for me is that defense. That That's why defense, the power potential of Hap had just as high a value at defense. I probably would pick Hap bat over Bodie's bat. But I'm, I'm considering everything um, uh, in, in the same picture here. Uh, right. Other than those three guys in terms of playing time, I, I'm not really looking for anything trend-worthy, I guess, if you will. I'm not seeing anything that, that should be highlighted. I think the bullpen is a revolving door. I think Chavez could be the closer one night, stroke the next night. Uh, I, I don't really see any surprises there. We'll, we'll continue to see Wilson in high-leverage situations. Carl maybe will be put in the sixth or seventh inning just to get him going, but everything's basically status quo. You want to see Johnny continue to do what he wants to do and what he has been doing. Hendricks has been basically, I mean, vintage Hendricks over the last two starts. Walk rate under nine, or uh, sorry, walk rate under uh, two. So this is basically who he's been throughout his entire career. So that's kind of the entire picture, I think, Corey, going, going into this Brewer series. Yeah, I mean, this is also, you know, you're in the territory where this is just win game just win, territory. However you want to yeah. do it, just get the, get the I win. I don't care if both the Brewers and Cubs make eight errors each and the game is 50 to 49. It doesn't matter. It, you just need to win. We don't need to dissect them and, you know, figure out what this means. It It's a two-game lead with, you know, half a month of baseball left. You need to show up and you yep. need to win. You need yep. to win at home. With your best pitchers on the mound, it's that simple. I do have, Brendan, I don't know if you've seen this, um, uh, a little bit of news okay. um, for you, especially as it relates to some of the things that we discussed. But okay. coming across the wire here at 511 Central in Chicago, uh, Brandon Morrow threw 25 pitches in a light bullpen session in Washington, D.C. So... I don't know anything more than that or what that may mean, uh, but it's not the worst news. Is that his first bullpen? Has he just been doing I soft toss? I believe it is know, his right? first time it's... throwing off of a mound yeah. in this process. Okay. I mean, that's encouraging. Uh, September 10th, though, Corey, is our current date, and the playoffs start in like less than three weeks almost. Um Okay, that's positive. Yeah. I, it's something. It's something. Yeah. I mean, even despite that, like I'm looking at some of the tweets right now, even Patrick Mooney, again, still described it as a long shot, like I said. Um, but yeah, okay. That's Look, I'll take any positive news right now. Over the last two, two and a half days, it's been basically negative, negative, negative from all fronts. Okay, I like that, Corey. That's good. Which is normally how you like it, but I'm, I'm mixing in a little positivity <laughs> please, at the end please. here. Um, I, I try not to say completely negative all the time. Um, yeah. Okay, that's good. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that that's about all we have for you guys. This is pretty simple. I mean, this, this weekend has brought things 
much closer than I think we would have hoped. I think especially heading into this Washington series, it was pretty reasonable from from the Cubs and you know our perspective to envision this Milwaukee series not having the ability to change who is in first place. Uh, and that is not what has happened. So the Cubs need to win games in this series. Uh, hopefully they can win two. Winning all three would be really fantastic. If the Cubs lose two or three, going to be a really interesting podcast for you guys on uh, Thursday morning, uh, especially if the Cubs are headed to Washington, D.C. to face Max Scherzer. A little, uh, so we've got some options here, folks. It's uh, Hopefully we're in door number one and not number, door number two, uh, but we'll be there either way. Uh, we record two episodes a week before and after every series. This week we have that Nationals game on Thursday, uh, but we will plan to come to you after the Milwaukee series, so look for us on Thursday morning. You can find us on the regular group of podcast listening apps. Uh, we are on Spreaker now. That is where Blog Talk Radio has moved our feed. So the Blog Talk Radio feed no longer updates. It is Spreaker now, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. We are also available on Google, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. We are available every episode on Spotify streaming as well. So if you do not see us somewhere, you can check any of those or reach out to us. I am at CFCubsRelated on Twitter. Brendan is at CubsRelated on Twitter. And I think that's all the words that I have for you in closing this week. As always, this has been the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. We thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you after hopefully this series with the Brewers at Wrigley Field goes well. And we thank you guys for listening. Go Cubs. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. The outcome of an opioid emergency may depend on a quick response. Accidental overdose can happen anytime, even if the opioid pain medicine is prescribed. Due to COVID-19, emergency services could be slower to arrive. Get prepared. Get Naloxone, a potentially life-saving reversal agent with no prescription directly from your pharmacy. Having Naloxone available allows you to respond first, not a substitute for emergency medical care. Learn more at opioidsafetyplan.com. That's O-P-I-O-I-D safetyplan.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.